Hello and welcome to this crossover episode with Honey, Are You Happy and Recover to Flourish. This is very exciting. Um, my name is Joss. I am an assistant psychologist and recovery coach for people suffering from disordered eating. I work with the UK's leading eating disorder charity as an ambassador for them. And I am joined today as well with Keandra. Keandra, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm so excited for this episode. It has been a while since I've done any podcasts, so this is going to be an exciting one. I'm Keandra. I am an eating disorder recovery coach. I work with clients all over the world to recover from eating disorders, um, a variety of different eating disorders, and many people from different backgrounds. I've got training in eating disorder recovery coaching, counseling, and nutrition. So I have a super broad understanding of maybe the complexities of eating disorders. I also have a background in marketing. So I've come from a place where eating disorders were not my sole focus, but being a survivor of an eating disorder, I have the knowledge and passion to help people with their recovery. So I'm really excited about this episode. We are doing an episode on grief and eating disorders. And that is not only grief from the perspective of is grief the cause or maintaining factor of an eating disorder, but is grief also something you experience when you go through recovery? So I'm excited to explore this topic further and obviously invite you always to give any comments, questions, concerns um, via our different contact forms. I'm sure in our podcast notes, we'll have an ability to, to email us with any concerns feedback or questions, but we'll dive right in. Joss, what is your experience of people experiencing grief and an eating disorder or grief being the cause of an eating disorder? Yeah, and I think it's such a loaded question, to be honest, because I think there is never just one thing that causes an eating disorder. But I think grief can take on many different forms. And so whether that is like loss of self, loss of identity, um, maybe because of things that have happened to us, say bullying uh, or some sort of early trauma that's made us kind of question things and that loss of self. Or it could be an actual grief, like maybe the loss of someone close to you, like a parent, a grandparent, a friend, and coping with those difficult emotions of loss through manipulating food and weight. So I think I've seen it come up, not only for myself, but for different clients in in many different forms. But I think the big point is that grief can be a shapeshifter and it just doesn't mean losing someone close to you. It can be that kind of deep sense of sorrow that we experience when we lose anything important to us in our life. I don't know how it's shown up for you. Yeah, I mean, I think commonly eating disorders arise through traumatic experiences and and we often think trauma is something major but trauma can be something small like a comment that that might be a, a throwaway comment but actually was incredibly traumatic for the individual and it means like that the people as a result to deal with the trauma or the experiences they're feeling use coping skills which oftentimes are insufficient or inadequate aka disordered eating and I suppose unfortunately due to like the media and propaganda there eating disorders are, are usually portrayed to affect like young adolescent females who are, aspire to thinness or like the body ideal however like the truth is that we know eating disorders can impact a variety of ages, cultures and backgrounds and that men and women across the life cycle can be vulnerable to developing an eating disorder because of trauma or a result of trauma. And it's the severity of the emotions that people experience and it is not just 
isolated to one group. What, what, what do you think about that? I completely agree. I think when you're talking about the use of food as well with that kind of trauma or that grief, it's the ability to kind of dampen down or blunt emotions, isn't it? And mm. I think a lot of times, like, the grief that we feel and that kind of pain that goes alongside grief is so difficult to sit with. And it's almost like seeing that the function of an eating disorder is to come and self-soothe. Obviously, it's a maladaptive way of self-soothing. Mm. Um, but so often, I, th- I think what you said as well about, you know, how trauma, we always think of the big things. We think of like abuse or assault or, you know, these massive things, but it can just be a passing comment. It can be vicarious trauma. It can be seeing bad things happen to other people. So for example, living through 9-11 and watching that on your news, like I don't know about you, Keandra, but I can remember exactly where I was when I first saw the plane crashes from 9-11. And that is what we'd call vicarious trauma. Like we can like pick up on other things and like we witness that we don't necessarily experience ourselves. So I wasn't there for 9-11, but I still witnessed that trauma and saw how it impacted others. And I think that left me with a grief as well. So I think it's important to realise that grief can come in all shapes and sizes and it's not like this competition of like oh but I experienced this or you know I had this happen to me but I didn't develop an eating disorder it's actually seeing that every experience is valid and actually the core components of it is learning to sit with discomfort and uncomfortable emotions and you know allowing yourself to heal through grief and I know there's commonly like five stages that people kind of go through as well and how eating disorders would kind of play into those stages to try and help us cope. Yeah, I think it's also like uh, times of grief are like significant periods in which eating disorders can progress, like you said, the stages of grief and the severity of emotions that I suppose are experienced from loss or, or, or like you said, vicarious grief cause like um chaos in one's life and and as we know eating disorders a variety of spectrums give a sense of control so be that losing a love love like a loved one or a friend pet relate or relationship can like utterly shake the foundation of your life and cause a lot of emotional stability so obviously you say like going through the stages is a necessary part of coping and overcoming tragedy however food can come become an, a tangible way in which we can seek comfort yeah. so for instance like if you're you know experiencing loss or, or trauma you know you feel out of control and then food can commonly be a way in which you establish control so Absolutely. like for instance like you know giving a, a very broad or like very simple way that it could come in is restricting calories in which you find comfort or relief or being for instance consumed with food calories weight etc can become a way to distract you from those feelings of emptiness or despair and like while these methods might be initially ways to cope with the intense burden of grief and those feelings unfortunately these behaviors can quickly escalate into a full-blown eating disorder and this is why a lot of people become um stuck uh, and and again isn't just you know the the young 
white girl that the media portrays as having an eating disorder um you know it can come at a variety of different points of life because it is a maladaptive coping mechanism not a a media portrayal of an eating disorder just to look a certain way yeah i think if we like just hone in on kind of the loss in the terms of death that in itself is a very uncontrollable situation we can't control what other people do to us we can't control other what happens to other people's health and I think especially in times of a pandemic when obviously there's these new strains Mm. of COVID coming out and everyone you know it's unpredictable the control that people get or that sense of control from an eating disorder can make it feel like it's okay because if I can just control what I can eat or I can just control my weight then everything will be okay but I think it's knowing that that's a false sense of security and actually sometimes what um, I would practice is kind of more just acceptance and sitting with acceptance of what we can't control and knowing that that's okay Mm -hmm. like we don't have to control everything and allowing yourself to feel that discomfort but I think at the moment I know there's been a spike in eating disorders over the pandemic and you know whether that's just because people have had time to stop and realise there is a problem or if that's Mm. because people have been feeling that sense of, oh my gosh, this is out of control um, and I need Mm. to control myself to feel safe. Um, There is that kind of needing to to realise you you can sit with painful emotions and it is a false sense of security. Definitely. And and it's interesting during COVID, I feel like people were grieving their real life I suppose um and grieving what they they used as maybe the healthier coping mechanisms being that connectedness with individuals or things like you know societies groups exercise activities that that gave them a sense of joy might have been taken away from them and therefore what were they left with and sometimes that is emotions that one maybe can't can't deal with healthily and therefore go to an eating disorder and I suppose it begs the question of does grief cause an eating disorder or vice versa and I suppose what would be your take on that I think it can be a cause it can be a trigger point because it can heighten that sense of awareness that oh my gosh things are out of control and around me and I, I need to control something I think it can also be a massive maintaining factor because by kind of ignoring the grief we feel and not working through it in a really healthy way and sitting with it and processing it we're just we're not removing it we're not kind of doing anything proactive with that grief if that makes sense so that grief stays and so I think then the eating disorders becomes this really functional way to always cope with grief and it's the way we learn okay if I can cope with grief in this way I can also cope with say rejection or I can cope with um, anxiety and all these other things that becomes your main coping mechanism and that kind of I always talk about having a toolkit of kind of coping strategies but that toolkit becomes really small because we've just learned that this is an actually really functional way that we can kind of manage all our emotions so I think yes it can be a trigger point and it can also then become a really core maintaining factor in our kind of eating disorder life yeah it's 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 hard because it's like the the chicken and egg cycle you never really know and for some people it can be a trigger but for other people that might have not been the trigger but when they do experience some negative emotions during their I suppose during their life then an eating disorder can become a in their head a helpful way to to reduce those feelings Mm. um and I suppose it's it's thinking you know following 
grief, what would you say are the signs of of some a loved one using food or, or, or weight or anything to cope with grief? And what would you say somebody should look out for? Because I think that's an important thing to to notice because obviously I suppose somebody locked in grief or, or loss or etc might not feel able to talk about it so what what would you say are the the main signs that somebody should look out for if they're a loved one um, looking after somebody great question and I think it's just worth realizing that obviously there is a spectrum of eating disorders and so obviously the behaviors that someone who's kind of developing more anorexic or bulimic tendencies won't look the same as someone obviously who's developing binge eating so I think I would say just generally any changes in eating and obviously grief is linked very closely with things like depression so appetite changes are very common and that can be really difficult to see because obviously your loved one might just be like I'm just not hungry anymore and that might be a natural kind of part of their grief which depression is part of the five stages as well but it's looking for those kind of prolonged changes. Things like, are they suddenly maybe counting the calories more? Are they changing the sort of foods that they're buying in? Or maybe even not coming out and socialise, like social eating, not going to like restaurants or cafes with friends. So are their kind of social habits changing alongside their eating habits? Are they being more secretive with their food? So are they even taking their food to their room or kind of not eating at work at their desk anymore, but kind of, you know, being a bit more secretive around meal and snack times or making excuses why they can't eat with you anymore or can't eat publicly? Then they're kind of like the opposite side of the scale. You might see someone eating more. You might see someone buying in kind of more comfort food or um, wrappers in their bedroom. If you're if you're a parent listening to this and you've got a child that you're worried about, maybe there's like food hoarding going on. So changes in kind of what they're buying, where they're eating, how they're eating is another thing you can look for. You know, um, are they chopping up their food excessively on their plate to make it look like they're eating and using their knife and fork, but not actually, you know, any of the food or are they eating really really fast and kind of inhaling their food and going back for seconds and then kind of eating that really fast so you can look for changes in how they're eating in alignment with what they're eating and maybe even when they're eating so things like are they not eating during the day at all now but suddenly at night time they kind of had this uh, massive period of overeating so things like that you can look out for But then there are the sneaky behaviours that can come into play. For example, are people then suddenly over-exercising more? Has your, you know, your loved one, are they starting to go to multiple gym classes um, a day maybe? Or, you know, are they always on the go? Things like that. Are they getting grouchy or are they more, you know, snappy at you? Is their mood changing because they're not getting that nourishment or they're maybe anxious or preoccupied with food? They could maybe get a little bit more snappy at you. And fatigue is a big one as well, um, which is someone's obviously not getting enough energy or the right sorts of energy into their system. They're going to be a bit more, you know, they're going to be more fatigued, maybe sleeping more and their sleep quality might not be as great as well. So like I said, it's really complex to see because Mm -hmm. a lot of those tie into what you might see if someone is grieving. But it's looking as well for those prolonged patterns. And are they getting worse? Like keeping tabs on that. What would you say? Would you add anything else to that? I think the, I mean, you explained that 
incredibly well on both spectrums um, because there are both spectrums of it. It's not just one or the other. But I think what I would add is that increased isolation, not only for themselves, but to avoid food-related activities, which links to loneliness. And I think that I'm sure will be a discussion that I'll have at a later point about the link between loneliness and eating disorders or or loneliness being something that an eating disorder really creates a sense of loneliness. But, you know, grief can feel something that is just the worst thing in the world. And, and grieving the loss of something or something can literally shake us to our core and throw us off balance, both physically and emotionally. And as humans, having the capacity to love so deeply puts us in a position to one day feel great loss and pain. And that's, although it's a cycle of life, it's not one that's an easy an easy one to, to cope with at times. So yeah, I think um, isolation and loneliness can be something that, again, maintains the eating disorder because the eating disorder can then be a, a friend at times, which I suppose leads me on to maybe talking a little bit about grieving the loss of an eating disorder, because that's something also that people experience during recovery. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. grief and trauma being a, a, a trigger or a maintaining factor of an eating disorder, but we haven't actually, you know, addressed the main point of actually, what's it feel like to recover and lose something that has been such a central focus in your life? So I suppose I I can start with this about my, I suppose, my own experience and and talking about maybe quite broader, but for myself, my, my eating disorder, I understood to be something that I believed kept me safe. And that might sound bizarre, but it was something that kept me safe from emotions that I didn't want to feel or maybe experiences that I didn't want to feel. And therefore, when I went through the process of recovery, I felt this massive sense of grief and loss of identity, which I was going into a place of the the unknown. And the unknown is a scary one for many people, not just those with eating disorders. But for me, it, it gave a real sense of what am I going to be without it? Who am I going to be without it? What is life going to be like? And that grief kept me stuck for a long time. And it's a scary place to be because you have no idea what life will be like without an eating disorder. But what I held on to was the fact that, yes, I didn't know what life would be like without an eating disorder, but maybe my coping mechanism, aka a maladaptive one, was not keeping me safe. It was keeping me suppressed. And that feeling and jumping into the ocean I always the the uh, visualization activity I do I do a lot still about if I'm scared of anything is visualizing myself at the edge of a diving board and jumping into into an ocean and realizing that yes it might feel scary just before you jump but when you jump it's not as bad as you may think and yes you're jumping into the unknown but the unknown might be a beautiful one and I think you know that that's a process that I had to go through about grieving something that was so helpful is the wrong word, but kept me safe for a long time. And yes, it's also, I had to grieve the fact that, acknowledge that it was helpful, but it's not helpful anymore, you know, and it's okay to grieve something that used to be you. But I don't know if you you have anything to add or your own experience just with with maybe grieving the, the loss of an eating disorder. Oh, hugely. I resonate with everything you've said. And I think it's a really difficult one because it's something as well, which other people who haven't had an eating disorder just don't really get because if it was any other condition if it was you know god forbid if it's cancer or you know even just like a common cold like when when you've recovered from that you're like amen like good um and you don't really grieve that period of sickness again 
And this is where I think people get really confused because they're like, how could you not want to recover or how can you miss something that maybe robbed so many years of your life? And I think for me, there was a lot of grief. There was a lot of kind of fear from getting better. And also that kind of feeling that I had of, but anorexia was something I was good at. Like for once in my life, I felt it was something that I I could do right. And I had to work through that and how that tied in with my self-esteem. And so I think it kind of played a real central part, actually, in allowing kind of me to let go. And then I was angry. I went through a stage of being really angry at my eating disorder and realising that I'd lost a lot of my teenage years. And through that, lost a lot of very close friends who couldn't hack being friends with me at that time because they were grieving the loss of their friend and I think I got went through this really angry period of like kind of wanting to like almost have a physical object that I could take out that anger on and I used journaling instead a lot to try and get a lot of that anger out and therapy but I think Mm. as well I think it's okay to grieve your eating disorder and I think that's something that I've had to really learn to have compassion about towards myself is even now, and I would never, ever wish it on anyone or myself again, but if I get really, really stressed, my mind sometimes does go back to, but wasn't it simpler when we were just in hospital or something like that? And I have to allow myself now to sit with that really weird feeling of grief and remind myself that actually I can do it. I can get through whatever's challenging right now and kind of use that as a fuel to push me forward But it's a really difficult one because I felt quite lonely within my grief of losing an eating disorder. Because I think just because no one else did understand that feeling, there wasn't anyone there like my parents or anything to help me work through that. It was kind of something that I had to sit with and navigate myself. But it is like losing your safety blanket. And I remember quite a few therapists saying to me, you know, Joss... I was kind of ambivalent about recovering, but they were like, I can't take this away from you. Like, it's not like you're going to go to a couple of sessions of therapy. I'm going to take your safety blanket away from you. And it was a real process of letting go, of loosening that grip. And just as maybe you'd have to say goodbye to a loved one if they were to move abroad or if someone passed away. It was like that. It was like that process of letting go and being like, you know what? You know, I can miss you and the comfort that you bought me, but I can know that you're not good for me and I can know that I'm better off without you. A bit like leaving a toxic relationship. (laughs) You can miss the person. Yeah, you can miss the person. You can appreciate bits that they did for you or what it gave you, but you cannot want to go back. And that's exactly how I feel my grief from an eating disorder was like, actually. It was like leaving a really toxic relationship. But yeah, it's definitely... I use that um, I use that analogy a lot, Joss. They're not, you know, the same thing, but it's like being in an abusive relationship, you don't know what life is like without it or them. And that feeling of, oh gosh, what am I going to do? What's life going to be like? Who's going to who's going to love me mm. and and I know that sounds bizarre but you're, you're I'm sure you'll relate in regards to my eating disorder loved me you know yeah. well it didn't because it was part of me but I saw it as an external thing so it is a bizarre phenomenon for people who don't have it but for those who do I, I want you to feel validated and your feelings that you're experiencing that grief from a lot of an eating disorder many people go through it as well so don't ever feel like you're not you're not normal or it's, you know, you you should feel guilty for it because it's a process you need to go through and people go through grief in very many different ways and it's, it's scary. So just feel 
validated that you are allowed to feel these emotions that is okay and where you are and I suppose a way to you know conclude this episode is maybe can we can we chat about some ways to cope with grieving with a loss and 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 how one can cope with these feelings not only loss and grief from a concrete trauma perspective you know trauma in the here and now but also that that trauma of going through recovery how would you say are some ways to to cope definitely I think that's a great idea and I'm talking purely from experience and thinking about things that I found really helpful and of course obviously working in psychology I'm going to be a massive advocate for therapy but I do Mm -hmm. think having that person who you can kind of talk to who is neutral like obviously if you've got a trusted friend or parent then absolutely use them and and talk with them but I think having that neutral person to just kind of talk those emotions through with can be really really helpful I found journaling really helpful and I found within the journal that I used to keep, writing a letter to my eating disorder and almost saying goodbye or telling the eating disorder as if it was a toxic partner that I, you know, left, um, how I was feeling and thanking them for the things that I, I liked about them, but also being angry at them and getting that all out of my system. Even if you type that note or write it by hand, I kind of felt like writing the letter to my eating disorder and naming it and then kind of some people burn it, some people, you know, rip it up, some people just kind of throw it in the bin, whatever you want to do with it. I found that a really kind of cathartic way to kind of get those emotions out and process a lot of what was going on in my head. And then I think the third thing that I would say that really helped me with the kind of grief of losing an eating disorder and letting go of that identity was a lot of kind of breath work a lot of kind of when I felt those waves of grief because grief does come in waves it can hit you out of the blue you can be all good and then something reminds you of something or it brings up an emotion and you're feeling that again it's the breath work coming back to my breath learning to sit with those emotions and if I felt like I needed to cry letting myself have a cry being out in nature kind of using a mindfulness app but giving myself time to breathe and to think and to feel because obviously what an eating disorder does is it tries to move you away from the feeling part to just the kind of dampening Mm. down that emotion but part of my ability to grieve the loss of my eating disorder was to allow myself to feel that and if that meant Mm. to cry if that meant I needed to go and get a hug if that meant I needed to go and lie in my bed allowing myself to do that and then pick myself up and carry on my day but what would you add on to that? I think all of those ways are are really really useful ways to cope with with those feelings I would only add that a lot of the time and and I work I've worked with clients that you know I've suggested meditation or journaling and they're like well no this doesn't work for me and that's okay and I always think you know what works for somebody might not work for somebody else so identify your ways of self-soothing so that could be deep breathing mindfulness walking going to the beach listening to music but it also could be and this is another aspect to it it could be a creative outlet I found when I was going through the grieving process of losing my eating disorder I used to make dresses and I used to love stitching and doing something tangible with my hands because what I found was the connection between the both sides of my brain, be that my emotional and my physical touch, helped me to process emotion and put something actually useful to work. So for instance, my emotions could come out in something that could be beautiful and could be, you know, I could look at and just think, wow, my emotions can be used in a positive way as well. 
But ultimately, sometimes I didn't feel like that. And that's okay. So I had patience with myself. And I want you to all have patience with yourself and others as you adjust to a new normal. Because in the process of grieving, you are in a place of something that you are not known to you and is not comfortable. So to be patient with yourself. And lastly, there's a number of books that, you know, pertain to grief or loss that might resonate for you. There's a book, It's Okay, Not You're Not Okay, Meeting Grief in a Loss of Culture That Doesn't Understand. And that's by Megan Devine. And then Grieving Mindfully by Samit M. Kumar. So, you know, there's many books that you can read that actually might help resonate with you as well. So, you know, if you are struggling with an eating disorder or are currently grieving a loss or even need to grieve the loss of your eating disorder, support is available and you are worthy for it. So that would be what I will finish on is you are completely valid. You are completely worthy of support and be patient with yourself. But I don't know um, how you want to finish, Joss. Definitely. That sounds amazing. Um, the only thing that kind of sprung to mind for me as well was obviously when, if you think about grief of your eating disorders, like the death of your eating disorder, through the process of kind of grief and we come to a place of acceptance there's also like a period of rebirth and everything that kind of comes to an end there must be a new beginning so it's kind of like seeing that as your opportunity and while you're feeling that grief and working through it um also thinking about okay but you know the next chapter may seem really scary for you but also it's really beautiful and it's really exciting and kind of use that as motivation to push you forward and like what do you want to be who do you want to be what does your life without an eating disorder look like and I think the creative way of doing that whether it's through painting or you know you did dressmaking whatever it is like finding out what your hobbies and skills are and really giving time to those and kind of loving who you are and getting to like yourself and like your skills that you have. So using grief in a really proactive way when you feel like it to kind of recreate something really beautiful in yourself and, and mm. for your future. Definitely finding finding a, a new purpose, actually. Yeah. And I know, you know, sometimes purpose is in, incredibly important. So actually finding what makes you tick and what makes your heart warm and and most likely that won't be your eating disorder but you have to go through that process so yeah I mean this episode I think has been incredibly valuable um for me also to talk about sometimes it's good to reflect on the past and and share information from your own journey so you know I'm, I'm really grateful for this conversation today Joss yes you too Keandra thank you so much amazing so we'll we'll leave all on the show notes the ability to contact us and a description of both our both our different podcasts so you can go and check them out but yeah thank you so much for listening and i look forward to speaking with you in uh, the next episode take care guys